0: we just watch this for a second? I,
1: the you guys want the you.
0: I thought about just like watching the video for 45 minutes and then going home. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, the, this band uh, became the soundtrack of my life in so many ways. I mean every album that they kind of released was it almost felt like developmentally I, it was in a place that I needed it. And I, um, I said this last week that I grew, up, I grew up in a really confining religious environment where what it meant to be Christian was um, really around two things. The right belief, um, and then um, denying any kind of, of my own humanity which really meant putting it into a shadow. It didn't deal with the shadow. Does that make sense? Anything that you bury is always buried alive. All right? That might be a good tattoo for some of y'all. Um, but it, um, And so what I, and I don't think necessarily, I'm going to turn this down a little, although I, I want to listen to it a lot. Um, um, Jeff. Jeff Wood uh, is a videographer in the church, and he's put this together. It'll be on the website, on the Crossing website. And I've just listened to—I've watched this video probably four or five hours this week. Um, I've just had it going the whole time uh, and, and have gone from, like, crying and feeling emotions and being all in my feels to writing and journaling. And so, um, yeah, I'm a bit—I I'm uh, a bit of a fanboy when it comes to that— um, but, but because of that, these folks really articulated a type of faith in Christianity that um, was really helpful to me. Um, because uh, for the first half of my life, as, um, as it is for most of us, we build a container that really is around uh, competition and comparison. We're competing with each other to say in the pecking order of life, how am I doing and so we ask each other, as I even did this morning to a young man, "What school will you be going to?" Right? Um, what do you do is often our first question in our culture. <laughs> Where do you live? Is often how we know um, how well a person is doing or not doing. Tell me about your kids. Oh, right. So we. We have these categories that we place in our brains and in our lives, and then we begin to move into the world. And there's this like internal system often that we have that then we begin to compare each other to ourselves. How, how am I doing? Really is a question that most of us carry around in our guts. And then we seek for that information in the world. And then, um, Often, religion comes and does not relieve us of that. It kind of doubles down on some of those questions. Oh, you thought you had to be that good? No, you have to be much better. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. right? And so that then, religion comes along often and says, um, you're a worm, you have to be better. And we get really busy after getting good. Um, And so last week, one of the things that we talked about in the first song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, is this uh, reality that often within us, often what lives within us is both doubt and faith. I looked at a text where a man says, I believe, help my unbelief. We all live in that space, right? And any religion, any system that would deny that, is not worth your humanity. Any system that does not say, oh, you doubt? Me too, hashtag, is not worth your time, because it's going to push you into a comparison mode, into um, um, a type of living that doesn't encompass your entire humanity. And when you do that, we push things into the shadows, and again, whatever you bury is always buried alive. And so um, partly what this band has done for me is has at times given me an emotion before I have a word for it. That, does anybody, any of you feelers in here feel that? Sometimes you'll feel something before you can say it. And I think, I think most of theology is just words trying to, catch an, trying to catch up to an experience that it will never catch. May, does that make sense? So often when we say this is what you have to believe and this is what contains God, no. No, no, no. That most of the things that we know about God is just trying to catch up to a phenomenon that we will never capture, that will always elude us, that will always be just a step beyond that, summonsing us deeper up and farther in, as C.S. Lewis says. And so um, today we're going to... Um, we're gonna look at where the streets have no name. Do you guys wanna sing any of this? Is that, no? Yeah. Where's Jeff Wood? Jeff, is Jeff still here? Or did he leave? Come on up, buddy. This is Jeff Wood, and he is a, uh, he tried out for uh, a YouTube but was cut. Uh, and so, uh, uh, no, he did, yeah. The, the edge was already. <laughs> uh, and so, we're gonna look at, uh, you just wanna sing some of this? Yeah. Okay. Um, you want to get that in tune first? This is why I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just sing this first part and we'll just sing a little because I think some of it just opens up space.
2: This is Matt's guitar.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not playing it. <laughs> I want to Sing it with. It i want to
2: hide
0: i want to tear down the walls to hold me inside i want to reach out and touch the plane where the streets have no name let's sing that again I want to run, come on, I want to hide, I want to tear down the walls that hold me inside, I want to reach out and touch the place where the streets have no name. Where the streets have no name. (laughs) That's good. And I still haven't found. Uh, But but I still haven't found what I'm working for. All right, right, give Jeff a hand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll leave that open. It'll be uh, all yours at the end of this, Jeff. Uh, one of the things that um, um, this the song came out of a time when um, Bono was in um, uh, Ethiopia doing relief work. One of the things I love about this these folks is that they've seen really intractable problems in the world, whether it's been the AIDS epidemic that uh, was in Africa, or debt relief for the poorest countries in the world. And they've just figured, maybe we can do something about that. Maybe that isn't just a foregone conclusion. Maybe things can change. Maybe there's a presence and a power that's deeper than my fear. Then a system of um, that locks the doors for some folks, both internal and external, and they've just asked curious questions. I wonder if, right? I, I think that that's a really important part of our spirituality is curiosity. I think one of the most important spiritual disciplines of our time is curiosity. I wonder, what about? Hmm, how did? How did you get to that opinion? We're not a very curious people. We've kind of all divided ourselves up, which is, I don't think we're that divided. I just think we just have to restore ourselves to um, a deeper belonging. And it starts in a curiosity about ourselves and other people. and so um, Bono wrote this song out of being in, uh, in, uh, um, in uh, Ethiopia working among AIDS workers and realizing that there was this like, major like, divide between what was happening in villages and what was happening in towns. And these villages where the, literally the streets did not have um, any names. And he began to think about his own um, um, Belfast and growing up in Ireland, where if you asked a person what street they lived on, you knew if they were Protestant or Catholic, right? Oh, you lived on, and he lived on, Cedarwood Road. Oh, you're a Protestant. You live on Murray Road. Oh, you're Catholic. And because of that, you knew the feelings you you were supposed to have to that person or for that person. There was already an apparatus, a system based on the exact street that you lived on and how you were to interact with that person. Does that make sense? And so, as they uh, as they wrote this song, <laughs> he began to wonder, um, is, is that all? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? And I, um, Philip and I have talked about this too, that I've, I remember the first time I um, heard this song, I thought, oh, this is heaven. This is the forever after, this is... Uh, someday that we will run at a place where the streets don't have any name where all of us belong. And my mind was captured by that and it began to work its way back to earth. (laughs) And this prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. Let your kingdom come on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever's happening um, in the place where you dwell, which I don't think is up and out of this world, I think it's a place really of relationality, of deep, deep connection. I think that every time I'm encountered with Jesus, I see this descending. He goes farther in to our lives, right? Deeper in, to the place even, and we've talked about this before, Peter says He even descends into hell. And so that hell is not a God-forsaken place. This, this is, so wherever human, humanity is, you will find God present there. And to the degree that Christianity has any weight in this culture, won't be a, a Christianity that pulls back from the depths of humanity, but one that's attempting to be very curious about what is happening. Something is happening, which is, again, just the name of God in the Old Testament. Translate the name of God, something is happening. And so, as Christians, we're called um, not to colonize and not to take over mindsets, but to wonder, oh, where is the mystery of God happening? And so, this song helped me follow back down from heaven into the earth where Bono wrote the song and wonder, what does it mean um, to run? where the streets have no name. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to tear down the walls that hold me inside. I want to reach out, touch the flame, where the streets have no There's a longing that's in each of us, right? My, my hunch is that most of us this morning have come in here and we've been captured by our own anxiety or by our own fear or by our own narrative that maybe was given to us by a father or a mother or a culture. And there's times that we hear songs like this or we wake up at three in the morning or we're having these conversations and there's something that opens up that says life is bigger than this, isn't it? I I want to do and I want to feel and I want to become something more than what I have been given. Something more than the prescribed narrative of my own life. Something more than the intractable problems that I wake up into. I want to reach out. I want to touch the flame. I want all these categories in my life of how much I owe and how much I make and where I live and how my kids, I want all those things to fall apart into a larger space of love and belonging. I I really think that that's um, what each of us are hungry for. Are you hungry for that? I'm, I'm hungry for that. And so I think that um, when, when this, as this song starts out, it really is about what I want to do. And we realize that the most of us, um, in, in some ways, um, really are struggling between these two um, primary emotions, fear and love. These two primary emotions of fear that says, um, this is as far as you can go. This is all your life will be times what it uh, appears and how it appears in my life is when I wake up and I just think the ice feels like it's cracking underneath me that sound you ever ever hear cracking ice and and for a while in my life until um, I was able to befriend some men and work through this in a community of people it felt like all the time the ice was cracking if you have ever been there or if you're there even this morning, um, you're in the right place. Um, because what will happen in a type of spirituality that we're attempting to angle towards in this place is not going to give you a belief system that says believe this and it goes away like some Pez dispenser, like God is some kind of, you know, here's, here's your medication, now go on. You know, What God will always do is meet us where we are, Meet us exactly where you are, in the mess of your life. And you will begin to find another hand of somebody. Maybe that person is next to you. Maybe you'll find this person in this community. And God will always be found in processes of transformation. Always. And God will not... One of the things i found is that God is a border crosser. The the Spirit of the living God will always cross boundaries and borders that I think God would not meet me here. And I look up and the very presence of God says, hey, um, you want to talk about this? You want to do something about this? And so there's a sense in which all of us have this desire to reach out beyond um, our own fear and break that open into a deeper space of love. A deeper space of belonging. A deeper type of of experience that might include our own humanity but also summons us to a deeper space with each other and a deeper space of change. Um, Does that make sense? Does that that resonate within you, those two primary emotions of fear or love that we battle with? Um, Freud says that all of our defense systems... I, I, I don't know what I think about Freud a lot. Um, he always points it back to my mother. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but Freud will say that all of our defenses, our anger, our shutting down, the way that that has operationalized itself in many of our lives, our desire to take control to drink too much, to want to manipulate every outcome for our own is really just an outgrowth of fear. It's just that we're afraid. It's not that we're bad people. And so what Jesus says is wherever love is, wherever um, perfect love is, it deals with fear. It doesn't shame you. Often the religion I was brought up with, really uh, shame was the um, major energy that was used to attempt to change me. Shame is an incredibly weak energy for change. And, And let me just say this, shame is unable to change anything. Does that make sense? But it masks around often in this kind of religious face. Where everybody else is, is, is okay except for you. And you're back at it again. You're in the same place again. You're doing it again. And what we see is that this, this presence of the living God, what, uh, in, in, in the way I understand this in Christianity through the Holy Spirit, has just been poured out on all flesh. It moves to those places and summons us out of our own fear. So I don't know how fear has taken shape in your own life. I'm not good enough, or they're not good enough. The cracking ice that you might feel, maybe it's a behavior that you don't know what to do with. All I know is that this presence of love in community, as we get closer and closer, as we begin to really practice curiosity, vulnerability, all these things that a mature spirituality encourages us to do, we begin to, and what happens is an emergent process of transformation takes place. in, um, in that place, um, I think the song um, also revisions um, the way that, uh, um, that we see ourselves uh, and the world. Um, this line, um, uh, yeah. And let me, let me talk about that uh, just for a second this idea of being revisioned, remembered. Um, is that often our self-perceptions are really birthed out of fear. And what love does is it gives us a new vision. And so when I first heard this song, I was like, Oh, I mean, um, where it took me was a um, a place that I could live without my addiction. It took me to a place where my mother was no longer dying of brain cancer, but was renewed and restored. It took me to a place where I wasn't being identified by the things that were broken in my life. And things began to emerge into a different place of healing. And so there was a vision that, um, that I think love gives us. There's a vision that says that where you are today um, is not where the story ends. Right? We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, that, that, that a good spirituality, a mature spirituality will always erase the, 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 the period and put a comma in. Love is always a comma placer. And so if, um, if you're in a place today where you've kind of run up against the, um, um, a cul-de-sac, love will always open up a space. Um, what that means, though, is often we have to participate in that opening. For a long time, I thought, if I believe right, God will just zap me. you know. And I, I, I was looking for the zap. I was, I'd go to the altar at every camp I ever went to as a kid. You know. And I thought, God, how are you going to deal with this shadow that's in me? The shadow of not being enough. The shadow of my own fear. The shadow of my own anxiety, the shadow of my own anger. Why am I so angry? And I thought if I could just say the right words, listen to the right song, and be enough spiritual person inside, constricted that I'd get zapped and all this would go away. And what um, a mature spirituality does will summons us into the shadow, not out of the shadow into the shadow so that it can be transformed in a community of people. You will never know that you are loved until love um, penetrates the shadows of your own life. Can I say that again? You will never know the depth of love. You'll always think, "Mm, if they really knew, if I shared this, until the shadow is penetrated by love, you will never know love. You might perform for it, you might have an emotion of it. But love's work in the very presence of Christ wants to penetrate the shadow and take us on a journey of transformation together. And so partly what, um, what Bono's doing, I think, in the song is revisioning us. It's saying it doesn't have to be like this in Ethiopia, in um, in Dublin. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like this in Spring Branch. It doesn't have to be like this in my own heart, in your heart, that we can revision a place where the kingdom of God comes on earth right now. Not pie in the sky when we die, but we can see differently and we can begin to move towards that place. And it won't happen in a zap. It will happen um, in a program that I'm involved in or what they say doing the next right thing taking a step towards um, someone or something, dealing honestly uh, with my my own life. Hmm. And I also think it's it's a prophetic call to um, not get discouraged about the challenges that face us. Um, This refrain, um, um, and when I go there, I go there with you. In the end, I think, really, um, we have to go there with, um, with each other. And let me say this as we, um, as we kind of... Um, I think that all spiritual maturity um, is largely a growth in the way that we see. There's a text I was going to have us read today that comes out of Mark chapter 9, where Jesus is coming out of Jericho... And he sees, um, uh, he's walking through this parade of people. And this, this guy, this, this guy named Bartimaeus starts to scream and he's blind. And he screams um, at Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's just going off. He's just, he's, and the disciples are trying to shut him up. And he is just banging the drum, just screaming, right? Um, and, and the disciples can't shut him up. And Jesus says, bring him to me. And so they bring Bartimaeus to Jesus in Mark, and he sits at Jesus' feet. And Jesus asks this question, what do you want? Wine, dude. Since birth, Mark says. And Jesus asks the question, what do you want? Which I kind of want to hand Jesus the clue phone. You know? <laughs> Great physician, you know? Like, um, what do you want? And, and I think that that's really an important question that um, Jesus might ask us. Like, what, what do you want? Like, in all of your life, do you want to be more secure? That, do you need some more money? Is that really what you want? Do you want to make the next deal that will somehow secure something in your life that feels What do you want? You want to just to be left alone, to have some... What do you want? There's something underneath our fear that creates all of our defensiveness. What do you want? And blind Bartimaeus said, I, I want to see. And so Jesus heals him and he sees this, 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 um, this idea in the New Testament. Is this not an ocular um, restoration, but it's a soul restoration. He sees and he follows Jesus into this new way of living, this, this kingdom that is in, in, in heaven, but it's now on earth. It's among us. This call to begin then to involve our lives in processes where, we, um, uh, where the streets have no name. And so I think spiritual, spiritual maturity is always... Largely a growth in seeing. What do you see? And I think the process of love always wants to take us to a deeper place of seeing. A deeper place of understanding. A deeper place of of being um, transformed by what we see in love. And I think that always happens um, in relationships. Um, This is what Jesus says, is that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. This is not about a belief system. At the core of all um, um, spirituality is deep relationality. Okay? It, it involves us being able to see our own internal world differently and then being able to see the world differently. That the world that we have in Spring Branch doesn't have to be this way. That we, and many of us are, and many of you are, already have been involved for a long time, seeing the world differently in this place. What would it look like? What would it look like if somebody walked into your life and you asked them a question, not for a category, but for connection? Oh, you didn't go to school. I know what category to put you in. Oh, you've been divorced. Hmm. Oh, AA. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, That's in you, right? It's in me. But love always breaks down the internal walls, summons, asks us to participate, asks us to take a step, and then continues to move out into the world in that same love to destroy any barrier. This is what Rumi says, Uh, and I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's, it's, it's really... Talked to a group of guys we talked about this, this week. That is, He says something like, don't pursue love, just remove every barrier to love that is inside of you. That's your work. And as we do that, as this moves out from us, we no longer have to have a pecking order. We're no longer uh, um, positioning ourselves for the next great deal that's going to secure our life. We're beginning to operate in a way that says we can reimagine not just our own internal worlds, but the world that we live in, where the streets have no name. This is the kingdom of God. And here's the deal. It won't happen if more people come to church. Again, this might be my last Sunday. um... In fact, organized religion often is the barrier. Often, it's guys like me, and I'm going to say guys because that's mainly white dudes like me, that are trying to get folks here so we can capture people, colonize their minds, and take their money. Can I get an amen? Just kidding. What I'm going to say is that we will show up for an hour or two on a Sunday morning because we are deeply hungry that maybe, just maybe, the Spirit of God might reach into the desperation of all of our lives. This is what Thoreau says, that most people live lives of quiet desperation. And maybe the very Spirit of God might summons us together in a community to walk together out of these categoried streets to begin to fashion internal worlds and external worlds where all there is is love, that we're not categorizing people as this or that, but we have been so deeply transformed by love that we walk into Spring Branch and we say, there's some some intractable problems in this place. Ah, I wonder what we do about it. I wonder what an immigrant kid up on Pittner Road has to do with a kid that lives on Green Bay. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Let's get super curious about it. I wonder what it means to go to hungry as a family that we're serving on um, Gessner Road in the Fairhaven campus, and then we've got hungry people who live in the next zip code? Huh. Now, love will say, let's go feed those people. And then the second question of love will always ask, why are those people hungry? Is there a system that we can change? Is there a way that love might, might, might pull us into something else that we can actually bring the kingdom of God on, um, on earth as it is in heaven? So spiritual maturity is always and largely about what you see. And then I want to say this, and I'll close with this. I think the point of the Christian life is not to distinguish oneself from the ungodly, not to create a system of us and them, but to stand in radical solidarity with everyone and everything else. Immature spirituality will always create us and them. I'm going to heaven. How about you? Well, we'll see. Right? I'm the good person because I do these things and I believe this stuff. You're not so good. Oh, What have you done? Where do you live? Can I see your papers? All these categories, right? And at some point, what love will compel us to do is to stand in radical solidarity with each other. Because here's the deal, for me at least, is that people, some in this room, have stood with me in radical solidarity in places that I was drowning in. In places I could not be saved and thought, this is it. That's the period. This is where Matt Russell's life ends. And people will show up, put a comma in there, and stand in radical place with me, not promising that it's all going to get better, but just saying to me that you're not alone. I will share with you my experience, strength, and hope. I can only share with you what I know about my own experience. And for me, that has... I'm tied a knot around the rope of my own despair, and if people have stood in radical solidarity with me, then it, and with you, it behooves us then to stand with each other in all manners of messed upness. And then I think we take that further because often what I want to do is then I want to shut the I want to shut the gates, <laughs> and, and God is always like saying, um, "Ain't no gates, Russell." Dang, right? We are to stand in radical solidarity with people in our world. Because if we actually believe that love is the only thing that God transacts in, then we stand in love with people until love transforms the situation. We don't ask people what you believe, and I'll tell you, if you uh, what you believe determines if you belong. Right? That's what we often do. Tell me what you believe. What do you believe? Oh, welcome. You can be a member now. What Jesus says in the New Testament is, come and see. Come and see. Let's go love people. And it's not until the, the three years into his earthly ministry of this amazing, like transformative experience of love that he turns to Peter one day and says, um, who do you say that I am? I grew up in a tradition that says that's the only question that matters. Answer the Jesus question, you're in. And that's not the only question that matters. I'm not even sure if that's the first question that matters. In fact, I'm sure it's not the first question that matters. Come and see. Be transformed by love. Let another person in. Begin to see the world differently. Begin to ask God for new imagination, a revision of your imagination for yourself and the world that you live in, where the streets have no name. And we can build it together. We can go there together. We can hold hands and say, let's do this together. Let Christianity be more more than a belief system. Let it be a belonging system. That includes the folks around you and the folks up on Pittner and the folks in Pittsburgh and even the folks in New York. God bless them. <laughs> right? That at the end of the day, we're not looking at categories. We're beginning to be transformed by love and then allow love to take us into neighborhoods where the very love of God is. The point of the Christian life is not to distinguish oneself from the ungodly, the good people the bad people. It's to stand in radical solidarity with everyone and everything else. I, my prayer is that as a class, we figure that out together. Because As the song goes, I, I want to go there with you. It's all I can do. It's all we can do. Take each other's hands, show up in vulnerability, and then maybe stand in the world in that kind of vulnerability. Well, that's what I got. What do y'all think? Any any comments or questions or things that uh, you want to ask or correct or um, things that got stirred up in you today? Matt,
2: well, I have a question. Yeah. I'm of the show right now. So When you said random.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I think that sometimes um, um, the kind of Christianity that I'm trying to distinguish myself from and in the, in the thing that lives inside of me often is I want to act as if I get you. But when your smell gets too much or your brokenness, or you, or you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to start to pull back. And um, I have begun to see, particularly in my own um, process of recovery, that there are things that I have done, places I have gone to, and the experience of other people that have shared with me that would have been way beyond the pale. And um, people that abandon their own selves because they don't know how to share the depth of their own fear, anxiety, or what they've done with that. And what I want to say is that love shows up in radical solidarity in the midst of that and says, you are not alone. We can rebuild from this place. I'm not going to let you go. Right? Romans says, um, who shall separate us from the love of God? And then whoever wrote Romans just went nuts. You know, I mean, just started like just, like, just puking all this stuff out saying, you know, shall persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, you know, all these things. Then he finally says, I'm convinced that nothing Nothing that you've ever done, have done, have done to you. nothing can separate us. I think that's the kind of radicalness that we have to reclaim as Christians. And, and I think we haven't experienced that radicalness inside of our own selves because we're so afraid of kind of image management. I want to image manage in front of you so you think that I'm a good pastor, I'm a good person I'm a, you know. And, and as long as I'm managing it, I'm staying away from my own shadow. And until that can break through into me in a radical way with another person, I'll never believe it for you. And so I think there's a radicalness. And then, here's the deal. Once you get set free in love, it's friggin' on. Like, then all these categories of what everybody's saying on TV or zip code, it's just crazy. Because you begin to have this, like, what what the New Testament calls a metanoia, like a paradigm shift. You begin to see, oh, God's up to something big that cannot be contained by these small categories. And so I think that love, uh, the radical nature of love does that. Yeah. Hey. hey.
2: Um.
0: (laughs) That's my wife. (laughs) Ah. Uh, like that that might be a cringe for some of us
2: too. talk about like that like when you're in radical solidarity does that mean you're radically and and in, in, in solidarity with someone that you say like there are no boundaries in anything mm. so mm. um, so I think there's That's a good. way to practice radical solidarity that says like you are in love you mm. are Hmm. That's right. You are um, precious hmm. in the eyes of God, and you can do better. <laughs> and the and do better isn't that I prescribe that to you, but but where there's self-destructiveness, we can't validate yeah. that. Yeah. So it's that, yeah. you know, to kind of Yeah. That's good. I deeply
0: aligned with you. And as a parent, we might find
2: ourselves
0: in this. Or as a child of a parent. Or, you know, we find ourselves in relationships where Or husband and wife.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's things to talk
0: about, baby. <laughs> so I, 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 say that I think that's right. It could be easy yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Goes, I don't. I don't want to. Well, I do want to freak anything out, but. That's right. Can I? Can I? That's. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, early on in my sobriety, I couldn't get sober, and I had a lot of shame around my relapses. A lot. I mean, a ton. I'm a pastor, and I can't get sober. Um, And so I had a lot of shame around my behaviors. My sponsor was was never put off by that. He asked me all the time, tell me where you're not being honest. I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with my sobriety? I just wanna not do these things, right? I kept thinking it was about my external behaviors. And I think what Michelle's saying, if I'm wrong, then tell me, Michelle, is that it's not about complicity with the behaviors. It's about understanding. There's a whole other thing in operation inside of ourselves that has to be um, communicated with a new language spoken. I thought that all of my internal ways of hiding had nothing to do with the external behaviors. And what my sponsor was saying is, until you get super vulnerable with me, you're never not going to be. You're, you're not going to gain sobriety. And what I wanted to do was have this shadow that was going to get zapped and still be okay. And what God was doing is saying, there's never going to be a time where you're going to grow unless you bring the shadows and the light together. And that's the work. And so I think the radical um, um, solidarity is the presence that says, you are loved. There's nothing you've ever done. And there's more that you're capable of. I want to transform you. I want you to go on this place of of transformation. Is is that better? Yes, okay. That <laughs> Whew. I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's helpful. Thank you. I
2: was just Picture. gonna say where you said um, spiritual maturity, you know, what was that thing about seeing the changes the way you see? Growth and seeing. Something I read reminds me of that and resonated with me a lot is um, Prayer hardly ever changes your circumstances, but it changes your heart. Mm. Yeah. And, and changes how you yeah.
0: perceive. That's right. That like That's right. Like that? goes with that. one, one of my favorite people on the planet is a guy named Father Gregory Boyle. If you've not read Tattoos on the Heart, um, go download it on Audible and listen to it. He says, It's not prayer doesn't work, praying does. <laughs> does that make sense? But often I think what I'm trying to do is change the outcome. And what ends up happening in the praying is I'm led to a place of surrender, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's God is a sneaky little, (laughs) you know, he's sneaky. Because I think I'm, I'm going for the outcome and I start to be involved in praying. And I'm like, thy will be done, crap, you know. Yeah. Mm.
2: being brought up and, and tied into this and maybe that's you know what wanting me here because mm. this week I had a phone session with my counselor and that became the whole message and she explained how it is a power tool and those who use that it is mm. being used as a power tool to turn it back on them. Mm. not important and you're not good enough and that we if there's a person or a situation or something going on that that shame is being put on us we can choose to not receive that and that is much easier said than done yeah yeah and especially if if that's being put on us by someone who is largely important in our life Yeah. involved in our life and that we can say I'm not going to receive that. Yeah. And then with that then also comes grief. Yeah. Because then there's this loss of but now I don't I don't have this relationship or I don't have life yeah. And this is being put
0: on you as a power tool, that this doesn't have to do with you, This has to do with Yeah, you. yeah, that's, that's, right. that's right, that's right, situations. that's right. That's good. Me, that was so, <laughs> so I want to say this, that the battle of shame and with shame is always a team sport. Mm-hmm. You, you have to go into shame with another person because shame is the most disorienting uh, accusatory liar that creates a life world that says, this is the truth. And it takes, really, it takes a community of people over time that you walk into your shame with that um, that allow... Do you ever see something wicked this way comes, Bray Bradbury's... Well, it's a, it's a scary, super scary movie. But there's a, um, and a, a scary book, right? Um, but the movie, in, in the movie, there's uh, uh, um, Hal Holbrook is a father, and he's lost his child in this house of mirrors, and he can't find him. And, and shame is like a house of mirrors that always reflects back to you a distorted reality that says this is the reality. This is the truth. And in the midst of this, he ends up screaming really loud, I love you! And all of the glass breaks and falls, and he sees the son. And so you have to, in the midst of your own shame, do counterintuitive things, which is to let someone in where your shame says, I can never let anyone in. And so you have to, in, in fact, transgress yourself in order to be saved. So, yeah. Yes, let's.
1: Um, uh, you know, the the, the, the part in, in, in the song that says tear down the walls that hold me inside. Uh, you know, when I became a Christian and got sober a number of years ago, it, it uh, became very clear to me that Jesus says one thing, and it was just really, really clear. Love one another. Mm. And in that statement, I stopped being judgmental of others Mm. and tried to feel their pain so that I could help them as others have helped me. That's great. And so that's why this song is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, tear down the walls. Because when you do and you let others in, then at that point, mm. you're doing what Jesus really wants you to be doing. Mm. And that's when I feel the best. Amen.
0: Doing the next right thing. That's right. This has just turned into a meeting. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me ask this question. Thank you, David. Uh, let me ask this question as a, in, in a way of closing. And let's go Rumi. Let's just go back to Rumi. What barrier... Might the Holy Spirit be placing in front of you right now saying, hey, let's, let's work on removing that so that you might uh, experience a deeper love, a deeper belonging, a deeper sense of yourself. And who might you share that with this week? Who might you share that with to make it real with this week? So, What barrier to love might need to be removed? And then also, let me ask this question how might that be transformed in the world? Right? Because you'll find that one of the things that Jesus suckers us into is thinking that this is like a self-help deal, but then you realize, wait a minute, you're calling me to love the world like this, to remove barriers in the world. My hunch is the barrier that God wants to remove in you this this week might have a correlative in the world somewhere. And what God's going to teach you about that little barrier might work somewhere in the world in a bigger space. Um, that's the sneakiness of God. All right. Would you uh, take the hand of the per- oh, Let's stand up. let just take the hand of the person next to you. Let's pray. Oh God, we'd ask that you give us a bigger vision of your love that's at least as big as our own humanity and a lot bigger than our religion. Because God, we do want to um, tear down these walls. We do want to be a part of building, um, creating, reimagining the world that we live in where we're not placing ourselves and other people in categories. And that the way that you um, see the world is what we're busy doing. And so God, would You come in Your mercy and in Your tenderness and in Your love and might You revision all of us. It's in Your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. See you next week.